It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson back here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpest, Sharpless, checking in from Parts Unknown. Uh, Painter, it's cold here. I know I know it's cold in Parts Unknown. How are we doing? I will say very sunny, uh, which is okay, helpful. Good. Like a bit of a tease given the circumstances of the sad ending of the season. However, mm-hmm. if, as you say, it's going to be cold, and it is cold, at least it's sunny out. At least, you know, you can walk around and feel like, all right, this is not completely depressing. Yeah, and I know a lot of Auburn fans uh, feeling down after what happened Saturday evening between Auburn and Houston. We will talk about that and also talk about kind of big picture stuff with Auburn basketball moving forward. As the season comes to a close for the second straight year, Auburn ending their run in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Completely different circumstances this time. Um, you know, this year you are a nine seed, you're playing a one seed. And, uh, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough ending for Auburn because I think, you know, as I wrote on Sunday morning, you know, Dylan Carwell probably had the best quote about it and said, you know, we had great halves in a whole season. We just never had a great game. We had so much potential. We just never put it together. And that was kind of the, that's kind of the mantra of the season. I think there are times and stretches where you can see man Auburn can play obviously the first half against Alabama in Tuscaloosa a lot of that first game against Alabama you beat Tennessee who is in the Sweet 16 just knocked off um, you know a really really good team in Duke uh, to get to the Sweet 16 you beat Arkansas at home uh, early in the year and came close to beating them in the SEC tournament Arkansas just put out Kansas uh, in the NCAA tournament so like this is a this is a team that was quality but it was it was good with moments of great. It just never got to great enough. And I think that's going to be the, uh, the ultimate legacy of this team is that it is a good basketball team by Auburn, by Auburn's usual standards. It was a step back. It was not what you wanted it to be when you came into the season. However, you're back in the NCAA tournament. You get another win in the NCAA tournament. And you show that I think your step back, your your down year is still, uh, you know, successful in terms of the historical, you know, legacy of this program. But also I think there are a lot of teams that would love to have been in the second round and have that opportunity that, that just weren't this season. Um, you know, teams that missed the tournament, teams that got bounced early, you know, in, in the first round. So Auburn, you know, you can't really hang your head too much about being – one of the final 32 teams in it. However, um, there was a lot that didn't go right for Auburn this season and, and their issues and their problems uh, that they had really came to a head in a lot of their losses, including this, this finale. Um, Because once again, you looked awesome for stretches of that game, uh, but not enough because in the second half, Houston looked like a one seed again and Auburn, uh, look like a team that struggled with a lot of stuff that Houston does well, which is very aggressive pressing defense, rebounding, and just hitting tough shots. Marcus Sasser and some of those guys doing a really good job winning one-on-one opportunities and, and getting to the basket. Um, so it's a tough way to go out because Auburn, you know, like the Alabama games, you can sit there and say, hey, this is one of the best teams in the country, and we were right there with them, and actually we were outplaying them for stretches. But ultimately – the loss is a loss and your season is over. So much of the team felt clunky this year. There, as you mentioned a moment ago, 
were times where you thought, you know, maybe they can smooth this out and it'll it'll come to fruition. But I mean, what did we spend really the last quarter or maybe more of the season discussing? Mainly, it was well, this team kind of is what it is. Yeah, I think the big thing is, you know, you're going up against a team in Houston in this matchup where, um, I mean, Auburn played an excellent first half on offense, but you've also got to keep in mind that in that first half, Houston was not playing up to their standard on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, You know, Auburn up by, uh, you know, Auburn up by 10 at the half. Houston didn't force turnovers, didn't really get in a lot of trouble. Now, Auburn played well to get to that point, but remember, this has been a team that has been very inconsistent and limited offensively this year. So scoring 41 in the first half against Houston was fantastic, but it also felt like, okay, this is not this is not what normally happens, and also this is not what normally happens when you play a team like Houston. And in the second half, obviously, it just swings so violently where Auburn only hits two shots from the field, and they struggle from the free throw line, and they don't get assists, and they get, you know, they, 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 they have turnovers, you know, really come out. Uh, and get them, sorry, four, they hit four shots in the second half. Um, they only had two assists is, is, is what I meant to say there. But, you know, th- this was this was exactly what I thought would happen if Auburn would struggle in this game, is that Houston would come out and they look like, you know, the elite team they are. You know, they're top 15 in offense and defense. There isn't another team in the country like that. There are only two others that were top 20 in both of those categories. And so for Auburn, you really, really needed um, to play your best game and then probably have Houston struggle with some things. They That was the case in the first half, and in the second half, it wasn't. Um, and the big thing was handling their defense. As Bruce Pearl said after the game, he expected, and it happened, Kelvin Sampson to go into the halftime locker room and light his guys up. That happened. Uh, Kelvin Sampson after the game was very blunt and said like, <laughs> you know, he looked at Jamal, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, Marcus, Marcus Sasser and, uh, and Jamal shed and said, you know, you're either going to, you're either going to play and, and guard or you're not going to play. And I think one of his exact words, his exact quote was they were more worried about their injury than they were more worried about playing. And so they looked like completely different dudes in the second half. And that and that that changed a lot for Auburn. This team, like we said, has been very offensively limited this season. You know, you you have to rely on um, you know getting the ball inside and kind of grinding it out um, in that way. And then on the perimeter, it's catch and shoot. You don't have a ton of guys who can just drive to the basket and get their own shot. On the flip side, I mean, how many good looks did Traymond Mark and, and Marcus Sasser go and go create for themselves in that second half? And it was pretty. Even so, Houston did a good job of being like, okay, we know that if we really get in and really get aggressive with their backcourt, they're going to have a hard time creating anything. And on the flip side, with the front court, just hammer, just foul, just, I mean, be, play really, really physical. And they won it because, um, on that end of the floor, because, you know, Jani Broom struggles from the free throw line in this game, missing 10 of them. He played pretty well outside of those free throws. Uh, but you know that's going to be something that's going to stick out in people's minds for a while. And even you know he even said after the game he felt like he cost him the game. Um, but everybody who went to the free throw line for Auburn in this game missed at least one. So you know it, it was kind of a you know for it, it was kind of a, a total team thing, especially when 
um, you give up 50 in the second half. So offensively for Auburn, it was just Houston was fine with it being a stop start. I mean, how much time? How many times did we see Auburn this season? Like the Iowa game. How many times did we see Auburn this season when they played well on offense? It was they got hot and they got on these streaks and they got on these runs and they they were a very momentum based kind of offense. And how many times this season did we see the foul trouble or you know a lot of whistles, a lot of stop start stuff, a lot of going to the free throw line, and it just kind of killed their flow and killed their rhythm. Um, so full props props to Houston. They figured out in the second half the best way to handle Auburn uh, defensively and between challenging his guys and also just implementing more of that strategy that Auburn expected to see early on, they were very, very effective. Um, but, you know, for Auburn, if the other team's sending you to the free throw line and you're not being able to cash in, if they're trying to take away the inside kind of good quality looks and, and really selling out even if it means fouling a lot to prevent you from getting, you know, Jani Broom and Jalen Williams, good paint touches, uh, and cranking up the pressure on your backcourt, which has struggled with some of that this year. That's kind of the perfect storm of factors. And uh, in the second half, it really, really bore. Like, Auburn's weaknesses on offense really bore themselves out in the second half. Felt like a matrix lock. Once two of Houston's most important players go to the bench for foul trouble, that Trayvon Mark was like, what if I just became the best player in this game? God, he was so good. He was so good. And once again, another game where you talk about defensively for Auburn where really good scoring guards give him trouble, right? A&M game is done. We saw it sometimes with Arkansas. Getting to the basket, driving downhill, and also hitting mid-range, hitting tough shots, getting you know, getting free. Um, Marcus Astor's a pro, man, and Trayvon Mark was excellent in this game. And so they were either getting getting to the basket or getting free or getting to the free throw line. And like that that was tough because on the other side with Wendell Green Jr. and, and Auburn's two guards and, and Alan Flanagan, you just didn't really have a lot of that because it's it's just been their real weakness this year. Um that, you know, we've kind of said this team is is very much a team that's gotta go inside out. They gotta pound it inside, they gotta slow it down. Um and then when they catch fire and they can get out and go, um, they can get in some momentum. It's very momentum-based. They never felt like they were in that momentum or in that flow in this game. Meanwhile, Houston, like we said, uh, like, I, like I wrote in the Saturday newsletter heading into it, Houston plays a really slow brand of offense and a really slow game altogether because the, they, they control because they're so efficient on offense and defense, and they say, hey, if we don't let you get – transition and we don't let you get cheap ones and loose ball ones and stuff like that and just say hey you got to play us possession by possession uh, and that's what's going to be the bulk of this game they'll take it because they're so good at it they're so good on offense and so good on defense in the half court and so Auburn never really got to go out and run like they did against Iowa they never really got to get into a rhythm shooting the ball in the second half because there was so much going to the free throw line and not being able to cash in there not finishing some of those and ones through contact. That's that's another thing with, with Auburn in this season. Like as great as Jani Broom and Jalen Williams have been this season uh, for Auburn, and, and Broom was was your best player um, and did a lot of good things in this game outside of the free throws. I think being kind of more of finesse players and not as much power finishers kind of hurt them in this game because Houston had some big old dudes down there whacking them <laughs> when they were going up, and Auburn was unable to kind of cash in and get those get those and ones and those opportunities like that. So, again, it's like Houston was built to give Auburn a lot of problems in their problem areas. 
thing in the first half was Houston was not playing as hard on defense. Um, you know, they, they were not playing up to their standard on that, on that end of the floor. And Auburn got in a rhythm, got in control, wasn't as many, weren't as many foul calls uh, on both ends. I mean, I you know, Auburn shot seven more free throws in this game than Houston did. Um, so it wasn't like it was uneven, but when the game was looser and had, 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 had more flow to it, uh, Auburn was able to settle in Houston just made that trade off. And with them not hitting free throws, that just that just made it all the more easier. Like I know the talk after this game is that hey Auburn missed seventeen free throws. Well, you know you hit all seventeen of those free throws, it's still a tie game, right? Because for Auburn in this game, even if you shoot your your season average, yes, it would have kept you in the game longer. It would have made it more of a one, like it, it would have changed the flow and the and the state of the game. There's no doubt about that. However, I would say on the flip side, the big reason why they lost this game is that Houston scored 50, and they hit everything on the free throw line on their end of the floor, but also they were just getting a lot of good twos and and, and some solid three looks as well. And Auburn just a team that is offensively challenged and limited in how good they are as as a jump shooting team could not match what Houston was doing on the other end of the floor when they weren't going to the foul line. Very impressed by Houston. Like as a program, I did not They're realize good. until last week that they had six Final Four appearances. Obviously, Samson. Has, I mean, he's had this team in a great spot the last couple of seasons. I think they've gone to an Elite Eight and a Final Four in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, looking more and more, and it wasn't exactly a secret as it was, given that they were the top overall one seed that Alabama might do the thing Houston though and and they you know Alabama beat Houston but god when they're playing well like they were in the second half I mean that good luck yeah and and you got to go back in the you know the early days of when Houston I mean Houston went to Houston went to three final fours in a row and they won. They lost two national title games. That was five slam a jam. I mean, they had Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler on the same college team there. Um, and you know, they they made the Final Four uh, during the during the plague year. Uh, they've just been really really good. They recruit well. Sasser's a four year guy, an All American guard. Jarris Walker obviously was a, was a five star, somebody that all, that Auburn really really wanted. Uh, he ended up picking um, Houston over him, and and Houston's just. That success that they've had is pretty impressive. Kelvin Sampson, a guy that you know had a had a run, um, had a, had a good good amount of success as the as the head coach at, at Oklahoma, getting them to the Final Four and Elite Eight a few times. Um, you know, it was just there. It's like hollow. It was a Hall of Fame coach uh, coaching a program that has a ton of athletes and. Sitting courtside in that game, I think the one thing that stood out to me the most, and even this was in the first half, even when like Auburn was moving the ball well on offense and, and, and scoring and when they got in that run, it just felt like from up close, Houston was everywhere on defense. Like the 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 length and the athleticism and the speed that they played with, um, they're they're really impressive. They and look, I mean, they it was between them and Alabama pretty much all season long for who was the best team in college basketball. Purdue there was a stretches of where Purdue was in that mix, but again, like Purdue had some really bad losses even before they got, you know, bounced by a 16 seed. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, it, there's no shame whatsoever in losing to a one seed, but I think the shame for Auburn or the frustration for Auburn is probably the better word there in the shame is just that like 
you knew that if you'd have played at that level more consistently this season, you'd have more wins, and you wouldn't have, you may might have not even been in that situation. Or on the flip side, like just finish the game off. You have a ten you have a ten point lead. It's against a really good team, but you're playing a playing a mostly home crowd in front of a mostly home crowd, and take care of it. Like just take care of business. Instead, um, you know this is going to end up going down another one. Like I think the first half was like what peak Auburn basketball like this year. And the second half was like, yeah, like, like the Tennessee game going very cold with your shooting and not being able to hit much of anything and, and struggling at times with guards on defense, good scoring guards on defense. I think the A&M game that, that first Georgia loss, uh, some of the Alabama got like that also bore it out in that game. So you saw the peak and the Valley, the peaks and the valleys of Auburn basketball in that one game. And I think, I think that's a, you know, in a in a in a negative way for Auburn fans, it's just a kind of a fitting way for this all to end. You know, um, I think the only thing that would have made it a more on the nose is if it would have came down to the final few minutes. But Houston was playing so well in the second half, and Auburn wasn't that it never really got to that point there in, in, in the final stages. Did feel like there were a number of games in which. Afterward, we said, oh, that, that nicely encapsulated a lot of Auburn's season. And I think you could make that argument that, once again, based on how Auburn played and how different they looked from the first to the second half, you might have been able to pull that line out one final time. It, 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 was, it, it was frustrating for Auburn, for sure, because it's just you saw what the potential was of this team this season. You just could never really put it together fully. I think the Tennessee game, I mean, look, Tennessee has proven that they are a really, really good team. But that stretches the, the Alabama. This there's something that worked, right? And there's something that that went well. I think there's there's some frustration today and this weekend about this Auburn team and the program and where things are at. And I think a decent bit of it stems from the fact that Alabama is playing as well as they did do, right? You know, I think it would be different. Maybe this is naive of me but you're nodding your head. Uh, I think it would be different if like Auburn had a season like this and instead of Alabama being the team that doubled up in SEC titles and currently one seat, and if it was like Kentucky or – I'd say know, literally anyone else. <laughs> I mean, if literally it was Florida, anyone. would Auburn fans care? Not really. If it was Georgia, they'd be like, oh, Tennessee, that's cute. Good for them. Ten- Tennessee? Yeah, like, the thing as, about Tennessee even, is you played pretty well against them in recent yeah. years. And so I feel like you know Auburn fans – at least over the last five or so years, feel like they're eye level with Tennessee in, in many respects. I think the thing with this team is that they had a lot of they had a lot of limitations. It wasn't you know there was no first round pick on this team, and there have been a stretch. I mean, Auburn's had really really good talent um, play for them over the last few years. They didn't have as much talent as as they were used to having here recently. Um, and I think part of it is, again, and we keep going back to this, part of it is that, you know, you had a high four-star and a five-star, and you didn't get much from them this year for two very different reasons. That sh- that that affects stuff, right? Like, your your talent level, I mean, no disrespect to Leo or Berman, but, like, Leo or Berman's probably not in your rotation if you have a healthy chance Westry. You just, I mean, that's and, – and a healthy chance Westry probably changes things for guys like – Zeb Jasper and Katie Johnson and, and and Chris Moore and just other guys in this rotation because of what he could represent as a six six guard, um, helping you out in some of the areas that have given you a lot of trouble this year on the offensive end. I think Auburn did a good job this season of two things. One, they did a really really good job of um, 
game planning and adjusting. And, you know, they, there were a few times where they like just looked completely out of it from the beginning, right? Even that Kentucky game, as bad as it went, they played well in the first 15 minutes of it. Um, the resilience that they had to just be like, even when they lose, even when they get the gut punches to bounce back and keep rolling is admirable. And like, I think, you know, what Bruce Pearl said after the game on, on, on Saturday is true. A team that, um, a team with lesser character would have fallen apart. However, you know, well, I'll say this, you know, I referred to this team throughout the season as the team that, that, that wouldn't die. They just refused to die. And in the second half, I don't think they gave up and I don't think they died, but they did die, but it was, they died at the hands of Houston. Um, you know, they died at the hands of a one seed that played really, really well. And you didn't play very well. And it just kind of like, like Auburn, like even that was the other thing about it is like when they were struggling on offense in the second half, it wasn't like they weren't running anything and they were just like, they were just getting beat. Like they, like that was just, they were just ramming their heads against a good defense and sure. Everybody plays a part. Guys can play better. Bruce Pearl said after the game, they needed, needed to do a better job of anticipating the adjustments and the shifts that, that, that Houston made. Yeah. And there, there's stretches that a season when you see the second half being able not, you know, not able to finish off certain games Th- that all that stuff kind of adds up. Um, but yeah, it's like the t- when they finally went down, when it was finally over, it was it was them, you know, really, really getting getting whacked in the second half. Um, and like I said, like the only thing this was really missing was them having to go down to the wire for another game. Instead, I mean, this was, you know, they only had three games this season. So Auburn lost thirteen games this year. Only three of them were decided by double digits all year. Um, and then, like, the Memphis game was nine, and the first Bama game was was eight uh, when it was all said and done. The rest of them were, like, one or two possessions. So it could have been a lot different season. Just We've talked about that all year, but just the way things kind of bounced for them uh, this year. Uh, luck rating on Ken Palm is 237 um if that ought to tell you anything and 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 I wrote it last night uh for this for for um I wrote it on Saturday night for Sunday morning but they're going to probably finish top 30 in Ken Palm they got to the second round of the NCAA tournament in the last 25 years which is as far back as Ken Palm ratings go this is probably your fifth best team Auburn's had it's clearly behind you know, the two that won the SEC title, the three that have won SEC titles, and then another one that went to the Final Four. Um, But it's still, you know, it's still very valuable. Uh, this team on paper was better than the team who had their season canceled. And and, and that that team went in with a higher, the SEC tournament with a higher seating. And was, but the conference was a lot different, you know. Arkansas was not who they were, or, you know, <laughs> I mean, Alabama definitely was not what they are now. And so it's an interesting spot to be in. And a lot of what caught people's eye after the game was Bruce Pearl saying, I'm proud of the guys. And I think you say he kept saying they had a good season. That's true. I think it was good, not great. I think they didn't go overcome enough to you know get over the hump enough to become great. But he says in the money quote that everybody's pointing out is, I'm proud of them, but I also have a pretty high standard. I'm grateful and I want them to feel good about the fact they had a good year. I'm proud of this team, but if you know me, I'm on to the next play, and I'll be recruiting tonight. 
I think everybody can see that what Auburn did this season is still in the grand scheme of things, good, not great. Wasn't a bad year, but it was a step back. I think if you look at this conference this season and see Auburn finish the seeding that they did, uh, which was seventh, I believe. Yeah, they were seventh. They were seventh. Now I get it. Arkansas was a 10, but, you know, you get an A&M team runaway second place this season, beat you twice. That A&M team gets pasted in the, you know, against Penn State in the first round. They struggle in non-conference play. Kentucky, I think, just lost to Kansas State as we were recording this. Yeah. T- Tennessee's played well. Missouri gets run out of the gym in the second round by the, by the team that came the runner-up in the Ivy League regular season. Um, So it's like one of those things where, you know, and Alabama obviously was, was dominant all year. Um, it was one of those things where it's like the league took a step back and you took a step back as well. And I think that's, I think that's what the, I think that's what's going to be the more frustrating thing for Auburn is that, you know, you can look at some of the results you had this year and some of the teams that you lost to and say, you know what, we could have been better and we're going to need to be better. Cause I, you know, I, that you look at teams like Missouri and Florida and, um, you know, Arkansas, obviously, Arkansas had a really bad regular season. I don't expect them to do that again. Or really bad, meaning <laughs> they went 8-10. and 10. But, like, Ole Miss just hired Chris Beard. They're going to be up. You know, you would feel like LSU and Missouri are heading in the right direction. Georgia's heading in the right direction as well. The league's going to continue to kind of get better, and it's like you've got to take that step up with it uh, because it was, it was a step back. And, like, I think Bruce Pearl – said it best I have a high standard I think everybody does now too because a year that was so frustrating for Auburn fans and had a lot of negative um, kind of results and, and, and a lot of issues and a lot of problems still was one where like I said fifth best in the last 25 years it kind of shows you where the program's coming where the floor has kind of changed um, but you know I do not see Auburn sitting pat with this with this roster here coming into into next season, um, but they are in a very peculiar spot with the way things are going and where the th- way things could go uh, in 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 the in the tournament or in the tournament in the in the off season. I'm looking at the word tournament off season. I don't know if anyone loves the chase more than Bruce. Yeah, he's like a he's like in in wrestling like whenever you have like a baby face and like everybody will say like when you have a baby face champion it's like well the real storyline the real drama is in the chase, right? When he wins it it's like it's tough to like keep it keep you there and like be intrigued. And so I think for him is like he sees the challenge. And like he looks at Alabama and there's a lot of respect there. And I think there should be because of the way Nate Oates has quickly come in and gotten the program to where where it currently is in terms of talent acquisition the way they play there's a lot of respect there um but that that's going to gnaw at you if you're auburn that alabama is doing that this roster i mean we've, we've talked about it they're already hard at work in the portal uh during the sec tournament week there was already talk of auburn reaching out to shooters in the portal um they uh 
They have reportedly reached out to Amari Abram, uh, former four-star recruit point guard. He was a freshman this past season at at Ole Miss. Um, he could come back to Ole Miss under the new staff. They're, I mean, they're they're reaching out, and they there was a lot of loyalty to this previous roster. And I'm not going to sit here and poke through and say, because I know a lot of people are asking this. I'm not going to sit here and poke through and say like this guy is leaving or this guy should leave or like that's not that's not my place. That those are, you know, one <laughs> these are actual people, uh, you know, and, and not just you know it. It it's not like the NFL. It's not like the NBA where you say, oh, they're going to go into free agency or you know stuff like that. This it, it's it's different. Um, even though the portal can kind of feel like free agency at times, but I will say this. Auburn is in a situation where the roster could look a lot different next year. And I think it's going to, there is a base level of expectation that it needs to look different. Offensively, this is this season for Auburn, and this was offensively Auburn's least efficient team uh, since, you know, the last team that didn't make, I mean, I guess it was the, the team before the team that went to the NCAA tournament and broke the streak. Um, so that would have been like Jared and Bryce's, like or it would have been like Jared Harper's freshman year. They've got to upgrade on offense. They were small. They were inconsistent with shooting. You can live with small if you play fast and shoot well. Instead, they were small and they struggled at times and they didn't shoot very efficiently or consistently, and it just made kind of things tough. But like you said, it was clunky, kind of disjointed with the way things worked on offense for them this year. Defensively. Uh, this was a good team for Auburn by their usual standards uh, on defense. They just, at times, had some really, really tough games on defense and tough halves on defense like the Houston game showed. Um, you know, this will go as their second-best defense under Pearl in terms of efficiency. It's on par with the Final Four team, on par with that first SEC championship team. Obviously, last year's team with Walker Kessler was just so above and beyond. Um you know, with that, with that, uh, with that defensive rating that they had. So, what happens from here is the question. Here's here's the quick rundown. Uh, you get 13 scholarships in college basketball that you can play with. Nobody plays 13. Uh, Auburn plays deep, and they might max out at 11 or 12 uh, in terms of guys that they use. But you get 13. Auburn has been playing with 12 for the last two seasons as part of their NCAA punishment. Uh, for the Chuck Person scandal, they are done with that. They can go up, up to a full 13. Auburn was playing with 12 this year. Zepp Jasper is no longer with the program. He has played his final college game. He used his COVID year. He's out of eligibility. That drops you down to 11. That scholarship will be taken by Aiden Holloway, the McDonald's All-American point guard that Auburn has signed, the only signee they have in the class of 2023. Another smaller guard, but a dude who can absolutely, um, you know, shoot the lights out that's his that's his game I think he will be a you know step in the right direction there for Auburn so you got 12 there you've got three guys currently on the roster who are seniors and could come back for their COVID year that are scholarship guys Alan Flanagan Jalen Williams and uh, Stretch Akinbola Stretch Akinbola barely played this season um he was a scout team guy I think if he is back next year for Auburn in a COVID capacity, I would be surprised if it, if it was as a scholarship player. We'll see. Um, if it is, it's maybe one of those things where he is number 13 or something. I just That's just speculation on my part. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see where Stretch, goes, Stretch does. If he decides to stay, I mean, he's a guy who 
hasn't played a lot um, the last few years, but has stayed all, stayed at Auburn, and it'll be interesting to see if he decides to do that again or move on with, with his future. We'll see. Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams are two others to keep an eye on. They will make their COVID decisions probably the next couple of weeks. It'll be interesting to see. I, this is just me, like, again, this is speculation. I would be surprised if both of them came back. Wouldn't be surprised if one of them came back, either one, but bringing both back doesn't seem as likely. We'll see. Um, you know, and Bruce Pearl has talked about wanting to bring them back, so we will we will keep an eye on that. So you could potentially be, just with those seniors and all that, you could potentially be working with, you know, as one free scholarship left to play with, or if all those guys leave, you could be up to four that you could play with now. Then there's the transfer portal. And look, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say this guy needs to go to the portal or this guy should or this guy might or anything. That's that's not my place. However, I will say this. Um, pretty much every offseason, Auburn has had some sort of attrition in the transfer portal, guys leaving. Bruce Pearl even mentioned it, like, after the game on Saturday. You know, we'll see who we lose in the portal and move from there. Last season, Devin Cambridge moves in the portal. Um, the year before that, you you have obviously the Justin Powell situation, Jamal Johnson uh, leaving as well, uh, Javon Franklin, Turbo Jones. Auburn kind of went through a roster revitalization that year. Uh, the year before that, um, I think everybody stayed the year before that. You did lose you know seniors and NBA guys. Um, you know that first Final Four team that Auburn had. Or, I'm sorry, that first SEC championship team Auburn had, uh, quite famously, had had uh, had Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell decides to go uh, play at Baylor. Like So most of the last few years, Mustafa Heron, uh, that, that was the other one I was trying to think of, Mustafa Heron leaving off of that team and going uh, back closer to home to play at St. John's. What I'm saying is, is that it's natural to have some sort of attrition. It's even easier now here in the portal era the guys are going to move on. The guys are going to try to, you know, see what they what they have elsewhere. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think you've got you've got a situation for Auburn now where I'm very interested to see what you do at the guard spots because there's a lot of moving parts there, right? You've got Wendell Green Jr. as your starting point guard for this for this past season. And really was your ace point guard two years ago. You also have Trey Donaldson, who had a great NCAA tournament um, shooting the ball, uh, except for the, the the free throws on on Saturday. Really came on, really was a spark plug. They seem to be high on him. You do have Katie Johnson coming back, um, or you have Katie Johnson. You know, Katie, you have Katie Johnson who could come back as well on the roster. You have Aiden Holloway. But you're also going out and recruiting guys that are guards and shooters and, and right now. So I think there is anticipation there might be some movement. And then the big X factor is Chance Westry. Because Chance Westry is going to be a guard for you. You know, maybe maybe stretch out to play a three. He has gotten he has gotten heavier. Um, been in the weight room during this recovery and this redshirt process for him. But Chance Westry also changes some things for you. And I think again, the issues Auburn had in their backcourt this year. Having Chance Westry would have helped. A healthy Chance Westry would have helped. Instead, it just never really worked right out for him. And 
that's tough. But as we talked to him earlier this week, he's planning to stay and, you know, get ready for next season. We shall see. Yoan Treor is another interesting X factor. What happens with Yoan Treor if Jalen Williams leaves? What happens with Yoan Treor if Jalen Williams stays? What happens with Yoan Treor in terms of position? Is he a five? Is he a four? Where do they see his future at? You would expect Jadai Broom to be back for another year. Some guys are probably going to go and look for the, look at their NBA draft stock, um, including maybe the two COVID guys. But with Treor, was asked this week, says his plan for right now is to be back at Auburn next year. But a lot of things will change because I think, I think you're going to see some movement somewhere, and I think Auburn's already anticipated that movement by the fact that they have gone after or at least contacted a number of players in the transfer portal that they need help with right away. And your two big areas that you really need, I think, yeah, your two big areas you really need are shooting because this team was just not, it did not have that, that score, shooting slash scoring. And I think size in the backcourt could definitely help you out because I, that played a part in some of your issues on the defensive end of the floor. Bruce loves the chase. He loves to recruit. He loves to promote. Fascinated to figure or to find out what they figure is the move with a roster that needs some turnover, quite frankly, if you want the results to be different, mm-hmm. and a roster that I think we've become pretty accustomed to there being high turnover, not only because of the portal, uh, but I think a lot of Bruce's teams have often gone that direction. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and without running dudes off or processing or whatever you want to call it, I think there's just going to be some... There's just going to be some honest uh, uh, conversations people are going to have with themselves and each other about what is a, what is coming with Auburn. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I it, it is one of those situations where when you have a season like this, few moves would surprise me or shock me, outgo, outgoing or even incoming at this point, because I think Auburn's going to have that opportunity. Janai Broom, I think, is a good example where you go into the portal and you pick up Janai Broom, and if you look at Jani Broom statistically this past season, points-wise and rebounds-wise, he gave you as much, if not more, than what Walker Kessler gave you. Obviously, he wasn't the same shot blocker, but he did fill in pretty well. He did expand his game. He's playing on a bigger stage. He made that step up. It's like, what are you going to get around that, and what are you going to be able to kind of do to reload? Um, because I think, Without Walker Kessler and without Jabari Smith, what Auburn did this season and the the accomplishments they had this season that they did are nothing to sneeze at. You don't look at what Auburn did in making the NCAA tournament and getting you know getting in the second round and having some of the games that they had and even some of the wins that they had and say, well, this was not a very good team. It was just a step back. It was not where your standard is. And Bruce Pearl, like you said, he's already recruiting. I mean, he even talked about it after the game. Uh, let's see, what was the other quote he said? We will recognize and honor these guys for their contribution. I'll be shifting gears now, helping, you know, the guys that want to take a look at them, maybe where their draft status could be. We'll look at that, and you know within the next week or two, we'll get a look at what our roster looks like if we look lose anybody in the transfer portal and begin to rebuild it. Like, they're not hiding it. <laughs> you know, he he – specifically was asked about this season and what you know what it what it means moving forward after losing to Houston and he already had his eyes on hey we like we know that things are about to be different around here and they're going to need to be I think 
You remember last year after they lose to Miami, it's like, we're going to build this thing around Jalen Williams. Well, they did that, and it held up. Like, that's what, you know, he was one of your key pieces. This year, when you're looking at moving forward for Auburn basketball, Bruce Pearl's comments are, we've got to, re- we've got to re- reload this roster, we've got to rebuild it, we've got to recruit. And I think if the transfer the transfer portal is going to be loaded, as more and more teams get out of the tournament and more and more you know spots open up, that the carousel continues to spin in college basketball. As all as that happens and that goes on, the more likely you're going to see um, guys make a move and, and and bigger name dudes go into the portal. That's that's got to be where Auburn is right now. Um, so I say keep an eye on it. Keep keep an eye on it. I mean there are going to be. I think in the backcourt, you've got got you've got it in Aiden Holloway and the potential of Chance Westry being healthy. I think you're already looking at a situation where your backcourt is going to look different, and and how will that affect playing time, and how will that affect roster spots? You already know that's going to be the case. They're already recruiting, and 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 at least have been connected and reached out to guards in the transfer portal. So you're already seeing that they know that they need to take a step up there. And then your 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 three, four, and I will also throw in your five could look different based on Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan's decisions and what happens with the bodies that played behind them this year, uh, and then that that includes the five spot as well. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild off season, that's for sure. Um, it is going to be an off season where Auburn's gonna have to go swing for the fences. You know, this is a, and it's such an interesting spot because Painter, like I was talking about this with somebody this weekend Auburn right now in this 24 class, the 24 class looks like it's going to be stacked as it stands right now. You've got, um, you got big Peyton Marshall down low. You've got LeBaron Phylon who might be Auburn's best chance ever to have a Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama to sign with you ever. Um, you know, and, and, and you've got, you know, you, you you've also got into Hyde Pettiford, another really good, very Bruce Pearlish guard um, that gives you a lot of what you would want. Highly rated dude. The talent infusion is coming in the ranks, and Aiden Holloway is nothing to sneeze at either. I mean, this is a dude that's five star by some places, a very very high four star. Where else? McDonald's All American. There's that, and so there's this thought process, and there's this like I want to say narrative, but like, I think there's already this talk of like, okay. What is Auburn going to do next season? Because they know in two years that roster should be really, really nasty Like in terms of what they got. But knowing Bruce Pearl, knowing where the SEC is, knowing what Alabama is doing, knowing what the rivals or other rivals are trying to do, they're not going to rest on their laurels and say, well, just wait until that next year. Like The concept of this being just a bridge year, like maybe in terms of overall talent, and overall accomplishment and success, sure, maybe this upcoming season won't be reach the heights of what you have when you have a potential top five class coming in and what they can put together. I I completely, you know, I, I will I will say that. However, it's not like a oh wait like it's just not gonna be like a oh but wait till next year kind of thing. Like I think they know and look around and say, like, you gotta take that step forward because not only will that make the incoming talent in twenty four in a much better situation, but also it's just like, like you said, you love the chase, and it's the it's the, it's the standard. When Bruce Pearl comes in at his pre, you know post game press conference after losing to Houston, like he did, and say, "Hey, good season, guys," but I've got a pretty high standard. I mean that that speaks volumes. He's sending a message not only to um, 
us who are in the room, but to fans, to other other you know people who might be interested in, in playing for Auburn. Um, so this upcoming season, no, you're not going to see unless something absolutely just wild happens in the portal and and, and in recruiting coming up. No, you're not going to see Auburn like be a preseason SEC championship favorite, but. Can they be better than where they were this year, which was a middle mid of the middle of the pack team in the SEC? And again, like I said, in an SEC that wasn't that hot outside of Alabama and stretches from Tennessee. So, Painter, before we move on, just want to throw it to you as the voice of the fan on this podcast. What? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to I'm not gonna ask you to say I want this guy and this guy this guy gone. But I'm gonna say when you look at this off season coming up. What would be encouraging for you to say, okay, when we get to the end of the offseason, Auburn brought in this and Auburn did this, you know, maybe not specific players, but like kind of like, like what would make you encouraged to say, hey, you know, hey, this this next season could be a step up now getting back to where Auburn wants to be, which is contending for championships, being higher seeds in both the SEC and the NCAA tournament. You know, as we always say, getting that double bye and, uh, you know, putting yourself in a really good position to have a great seating come selection Sunday. I am torn between guard play and another athletic wing. You know, there's some question about what you're going to get out of Westry. It seems so promising in Israel. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with guard play. I'm curious to see what sort of turnover Auburn ends up with at the position. I think obviously you want skill over anything, but some length there would also be nice so i i think i'm gonna probably do what may be a little bit lazy but auburn's come up short uh in the last two tournaments certainly last year this year i think they finished about where they probably should have which was winning their first round game and you could pretty confidently call this team a top 32 team most of the season i think that seems reasonable but yeah uh, it's it's guard play had moments uh there will continue to be lots of discourse i think about the guards, I know a lot of that focused recently anyway around Wendell Green Jr., his strengths, his weaknesses. You know, if they could get improved guard play, whether that's through the portal, I, I mean, I would think that there's going to be some addition one way or another. So uh, I'd, I think I'd start there, and I think I'd say some length at the position would be nice because, man, you know, it's not like Zep, Katie, or Wendell are big guys. Yeah, and again, Chance would have helped you out in that area, but also it's just one guy. I will think the guys that they have reached out to the guards in the portal, and they've they've at least reached out to one big man or bigger man, like a four guy. Um, they are bigger and longer, and I think you know there were some matchups this season where teams like Houston and teams like Kentucky and Arkansas and Texas A and M, which is like man, they were just so much longer and just designed to really give a team like Auburn some trouble and I think there was a kind of a knock-on effect as well with um you know what they were able to do and kind of rebounding and in some of those other areas I will say this about the front court we'll see what it looks like in the future I mean you could bring back both of your starters from this past season I think Auburn's going to want to continue to add talent up front um moving forward but I will say this I think the big thing for Auburn is that next season I think what they're going to want to see um, is probably a little bit more power down low, and probably a little bit more, probably a little, a little, a little bit more, and, and that can come from guys kind of naturally, right? You know that that can be 
something you work on, you know, finishing through contact, you know, playing, playing kind of more, more of that, that style. Cause like I said, as good as they were at times this season, you did have some, a lot of finesse from Jalen Williams and, and, and Jani Broom. And sometimes that really worked, but in some matchups it, it, it did, it, it did come as at, at a disadvantage. So that's an area where maybe not even necessarily seeing Auburn, um, maybe not seeing Auburn necessarily like go get people, that might be just something internally that you can get better at uh, from, year, from year to year. But, yeah, shooting, got it. I mean, can you find dudes and go create your own shot? Um, can you go find, you know, the types that are that are hard to stay in front of, um, you know, and, 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 and find ways to, you know, get closer to guys that are going to be, you know, if not NBA talents, pretty highly rated, highly regarded guys, you know, at, at the college level. And um, I would assume Auburn's going to be pretty active in the portal because of it. Maybe it's a bit reactionary on my part, but it just felt like at times this year guard play let Auburn down, and I think it was a result of Auburn's struggles and and some of its uh, tournament. I'm hesitating to say early exit. It seemed like an early exit last year. Again, seemed kind of appropriate for what sort of team they were this year. So, uh, man, there's – I will say this, you know, one of the most fun things about sports is what awaits the unknown, if you will, and getting excited about what you're bringing in and new players um, is always fun, which means over the next few weeks and months, I think we'll have plenty to discuss uh, as it relates to Auburn basketball. I'll also say this for Auburn. I mean, there was a lot, there's been a lot of talk about Bruce Pearl's coaching staff, some of the decisions they've made this year, roster management, stuff like that. When you look about, like you said, the excitement of the future for Auburn, I think number one, you got to you got to say that, like you said, he loves the chase. He's already talking about, um, you know, kind of improving. I will say the one of the strengths of this team this season, from a coaching perspective, is that they had really good game plans. They were able to kind of get off to good starts, at least second half. I think. The war of attrition and talent, you know, this advantage may have may have let him down in, in, in a in a decent amount of these losses, but I think you did get a lot of that. This team showed a lot of adaptability, a lot of resiliency uh, from the top down. And that starts with your head coach and your assistants, all the way down to all the guys around the team. I think everybody did a good job. There was, you know, people had talked about like, oh, does this team have a leader? Does this team have chemistry? Uh, yeah, they did. This is a team that, as somebody who went to almost all the games and went to almost all the practices this season is very close knit group. And, uh, I think they wouldn't have made it as far as they did if they didn't have that. Um, but the other thing is, is that, you know, Rick Barnes, they were, they're pointing out, um, the other day, uh, during the Tennessee Duke game, it was a, like the Aflac trivia question. And they were pointing out that Rick Barnes was one of just a handful of coaches ever, to lead three different programs to the Sweet 16. Um, and, um, you know, for uh, is Barnes, Barnes had done it now. But also, keep in mind, Bruce Pearl had done that. And I'm trying to remember who the announcing crew was for that game. That I think that was the – I think it was in Orlando. I think that was the – I think that was the Kevin Harlan crew. And – when you look at the list of names, I wish I had it off the off the top right here, but 
when you look at the list of names, they, they kept saying that right there, that is a Hall of Fame list. Like that is some of the best of the best to ever coach college basketball. That is a select few. Auburn, you have one of those guys right now in Bruce Pearl. Um, so very few. I mean, I know the results did not match what you wanted them to this year, um, but you do have one of the best in the business leading the way for your program. And that should give you an excitement level because remember – Two years ago, Auburn went through a really rough year uh, during COVID. You know, had the self-imposed ban, but wasn't going to make the tournament anyway by, by the way they finished it out. They lose Sharif Cooper to the NBA earlier. They use JT, lose JT Thor to the NBA early. They lose a number of guys to the transfer portal. And then in the span of, you know, they already had Jabari Smith on the hook. And you've got a guy in Aiden Holloway who is, you know, not Jabari Smith level of, of, of recruit coming in, but a pretty highly rated guy. But working the transfer portal and, and just making it all click for him, they went from a team with a losing record to a team that won the SEC title in the regular season, got to number one, did all that. So not saying they're going to do all those things next season, but turnarounds happen quick. Alabama is another great example. Last season, they went through a lot. And it just was kind of stop-start, never really got off the ground the way they wanted to. They rebuild their roster. They're the most dominant team in the league this year. It's definitely possible. It is definitely possible uh, for, for Auburn. So, like Banner said, the rebuild and the, you know, the, the excitement and the promise of the unknown, I think, A, that should be something you look forward to if you're a fan in general. But, B, I think it should be something you look forward to as an Auburn fan because of who you have in charge because he's already done it before in a league where you can can bounce back pretty quickly. Sidebar. Okay. If Arkansas wins their Sweet 16 game. Back to the Elite Eight again. Man. They're getting there. It's, It's one of those things with Arkansas. It's like with Musk, it's like. He is the ultimate example, I think, of, like, would you rather make a deep tournament run or have a really good regular season? Because their regular seasons are, like, they're good. I mean, this past year they weren't great. Um, you know, They went 8-10, and 10, and obviously Nick Smith was out for most of the year. But, you know, they haven't won the league yet. They haven't won the conference tournament yet, but they keep getting deep in the tournament. And so it's like this, where's that, that balance is. Um, the percentage of what's more important, I think, varies from person to person, and it varies like with what degree. Like, like that's a fun game. What's the equivalent? Like, if you could either have this or this, like, so on one hand is the SEC regular season title, outright SEC regular season title, and on the other hand is you make it this far in the tournament. What's the what's the even exchange right there? Is it the Final Four? Is it the Elite Eight? Because I think Arkansas tests the theory that it might be the Elite Eight or at least gets closer to the Elite Eight than we think it is. You're also, you know, you mentioned Alabama earlier, and I think how that tends to affect Auburn fans' view on whatever is going on in that particular season. Them cleaning up the league and winning both the regular season and the conference tournament is nasty work. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, as you mentioned also, like it should be noted, we talked about this, some on friends of the program, 
Auburn, the league got eight teams in the tournament, but I don't think any of the teams outside of Alabama was particularly impressive. Arkansas, maybe with the healthy Nick Smith, changes your mind about that. But uh, whatever Muss and Nate Oates are doing right now is um, very effective, um, to put it lightly. Their ability to, to piece together wins, um, I mean, I guess it all starts with talent. And, and the thing about Alabama that confuses me slightly, correct me if I'm wrong here, Brandon Miller, incredible talent going to go high in the draft outside of him. Do they have anybody that's just like a clear cut NBA player? Like, is that just a very well constructed roster? It's a good question. They've got talent, obviously, um, because they've got guys that are, you know, were highly rated coming out of, out of high school. Yeah. They've recruited well. Absolutely. I don't know. Noah Clowney. Noah Clowney is probably a, 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 an NBA guy. Um, you know, he's in the first round and some mocks that I'm I'm just quickly looking at stuff here. Um let's see. And Musselman, uh, man, he's one of those guys that oh, he gets under my skin, but I'm sure I would love him if he was coaching my team. This is a composite mock draft that I'm looking at right now, and it's got it's got Miller it's got Brandon Miller at number four overall. Um Let's see. Yeah, Clowney. Clowney, late first, early second guy in a lot of places. Um, and then, yeah, it's just they they got a lot of really good. I mean, I Mark Sears is a great college basketball player. I was talking uh, with a friend about this just the other day. It's like Mark Sears is great for what they need. But, like, in yeah. 10 years, is anyone going to be like, do y'all remember that Mark, uh, that, that, that Sears season? Yeah. But he yeah. does exactly it, what they need. Yeah, um, you know, like guys like Betty, like Betty Ako, there will always be room for seven footers that that do a lot for you. I'll be interested to see what Javon Quinterly ends up being long term. You know, kind of that, but he's obviously played a good role for them this year. Jaden Bradley as well. Um, you know, not as big a moment, but yeah, it's yeah. That's the other thing too. Uh, I mean, Noah Gurley had a good year. They've had some other guys uh, that that really work out for him. Um, you know, Rylan Griffin shoots a ton off the bench. The thing, the thing there is, is like I think like has Jabari Smith and like Auburn last season. No disrespect to Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson and Zeb Jasper because they played roles and and they obviously helped Auburn win the title. Say that right off the bat. But in terms of elite talents, they got two of them, two NBA guys, and that took Auburn from a losing season to winning the SEC. And so it's like you want to get that step forward and you want to get that that you know. You want to make that jump if you're Auburn, but it also might not necessarily have to be, oh, you have to go get – you don't have to be Arkansas. Maybe that's the best – like you don't have to go get four or five stars and then three of the top transfers in the country every single year to get to that point. I think Alabama, with the system that they run, they have an elite talent. They also have a lot of other really good talents. But, yeah, it's it's really Miller and then and then, uh, and then Clowney, which another freshman, um, that probably first-round guys. And like Auburn, I mean, Auburn had two first-round guys. Had two guys that I think if you went back and did the NBA draft again, I think you have two top ten guys um, in 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 Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. So, by the way, good good little weekend for them. Jabari Smith hits a buzzer beater uh, for Houston on – that was Friday night, right? I believe that was Friday night. And then Saturday night, uh, Walker Kessler seals a win with a block, um, which is what he's been doing all year long. So – 
again, let's uh, say like that's where you don't really know what's going to pop up in the portal. Um, you do know you're bringing in a, a an elite recruit in, in, in Aiden Holloway, but what does that all kind of come together for him next year? So it's going to be it's going to be a wild off season. And and, and and you know we talk about like how recruiting is the lifeblood of everything in like college football perspective and the blue chip ratio and all that. With smaller rosters in college basketball, the numbers and the and the formulas are tweaked. You can have different things. It's not just a purely go get all the best recruits and you're going to win every year. Like that, that definitely isn't the case. <laughs> you know, it helps. It helps a ton, but like it's now so not necessarily just because of the way basketball is, just because of the nature of the sport and the nature of of college basketball in general. Um, but yeah, it just there's a, so many different directions that this roster could go in for Auburn. Um, and it's a whole lot different than maybe your like four year cycle that you deal with in, in football, which makes it, like you said, I think a little bit more fun, a little more interesting. Have you seen the video, uh, Victor Wimbanyana took of himself giving you an idea what the perspective of Victor Wimbanyana is while playing yeah. basketball? Amazing. I mean, one as a short guy, just can't fathom what it's like to be up there all the time, but also what a freak that guy. I cannot wait for him. Speaking of the NBA to play in the NBA. It's going to be amazing. And I'm, I'm interested to see, there's a lot of chatter about people saying that Brandon Miller goes over Scoot Henderson at two. I will believe it when I see it, but also like, man, that that's, that's pretty spicy. Like, and I think Miller, I think everybody who's watched Miller this season knows how good he is, uh, you know, on the floor for, for Alabama. He just, you know, even games where he's not scoring, he's just doing a lot for him, and that's that. Uh, that says a lot. But who? How will Auburn try to counter? Because again, like we said, Arkansas is not going anywhere. The way Muss runs runs the ship, Alabama's not going anywhere. I I believe I would, in Florida. Maybe biased because of who their coach is and the Auburn ties, but I think that ship is moving in the right direction. Buzz. I'll be interested if Buzz can Buzz get like an NBA guy mm-hmm. on that team. What that looks like, and that's no disrespect to like you know. Hey, they finished Wade, second in Wade the league. Ta- that's admirable. Wade Taylor. And, Wade Taylor and Tyree Trafford are incredible front right. Henry Coleman's a great player. Like you know, um, but like, can he get that? Can he get that? You know, extra little boost. Um, Missouri. If Missouri can figure out how to play defense, <laughs> I mean, Dennis Gates is a great coach. And then it's like, you know, there are no scrubs in this league, I don't think. Um, you've got, like, Vanderbilt, the toughest place to get talent, even though they've had some really good players here recently, has an NBA coach, <laughs> Jerry Stackhouse, that they can turn to. Kentucky's always going to be Kentucky. I'm sure today everybody in Lexington wants to fire Calipari uh, after the losing the way they did to, to, to Kansas State. But, yeah. Like Florida, like Georgia's heading in the right direction. They fell apart this, at the end of the year, but they're going to get talent. They're going to get things moving. Tennessee's going to be Tennessee. The only one I'm really kind of just iffy on right now is South Carolina. Not 100% sold on Lamont Paris personally. I feel like I, I feel like I like what you're doing at LSU more. I feel like Chris Beard's gonna have that thing rolling pretty quickly at, at at Ole Miss, considering his track record. And like Chris Jans, he, they're the opposite of Missouri. It's just can you find somebody who can score? Like Missouri, like if you had to combine Missouri's offense with with Mississippi State's defense this year somehow, 
you would had a you would had a nightmare team. You'd have one of the best teams in college basketball, but that's not how it works out. Obviously, so it's like everyone's going to be trying to get in that right direction. And I guess South Carolina is really the only one I'm kind of iffy on. And who knows? You know, I think my problem with South Carolina is like I. I don't know how Lamont Paris and how that crew is going. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say I watched a ton of South Carolina basketball this year. But I want to know how that team's going to do long-term and how he's going to do long-term if they had Gigi Jackson and they weren't very good this year. And he got to have the memorial, you know, the the Ben Simmons, Anthony Edwards memorial, I'm an awesome player on a bad team season. Um, so we'll see. It's, it is it is getting interesting, though, for, for sure, uh, in the league. And, and Auburn's big picture-wise got a lot. Got a lot to look forward to. All right. Before we go, let's uh, let's take care of some business here before we go. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, had a decent number of you um, sign up for Observer subscriptions this past week uh, while we were at the NCAA tournament, which is really, really cool. We uh, No football talk here so far, um, and we'll talk football later in the week because we'll be really in the thick of it with spring uh, practices have another open practice uh, viewing window on Monday. We'll have observations of some kind on Monday afternoon, evening, by the time you listen to this. Um, I have a ton of coverage from that. There's Pro Day this week as well. Um, but, yeah, spring football going to take center stage. We will continue. I will say this. We will have – we will talk basketball. We will write about basketball. We will continue to – I mean, that, that's – the off season in basketball should be really, really interesting. So don't don't think we – don't think it's going to be like oh, and we'll check in with Auburn basketball in two months. No, we'll 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 continue to keep the keep an eye on everything and and uh, and uh, keep track of what all goes on here in this off season. But you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. It's a newsletter. It's a podcast. You get everything we do from the written side, everything we do from the podcast side. So if you like this, you like this conversation, you like our analysis, you like having fun. We're, mailbag will come back this week after a two week absence during the tournament. If you like having fun with that too. AuburnObserver.com. Your first year is only forty-five, or sorry, forty dollars. What I, I keep saying this incorrectly. It's forty dollars a month. I, I said it. I said it the other day, and I like completely got it wrong. Um, you get thirty-three percent off for a year. It's forty dollars and two cents. I don't know why Substack won't let me do a full forty, but it's forty dollars and two cents. So for forty dollars and two cents, um, you can get a full year of the Auburn Observer. So that will be all spring ball. All fall, and honestly, unless Auburn goes deep in the NCAA tournament next season, you get all a basketball season next year too. So it's the cheapest price we've ever given. You can get it. Everything we do gets sent to your email inbox, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast. Um, you get friends of the program. And uh, like we said, I think we teased this the last time we uh, were on, the last time Painter and I were on, but we've got some stuff in the works. Got a couple of things, a couple of big things in mind that we're going to do here this off season um, that – we want you to be a part of auburnobserver.com. Um, yes, that's my sales pitch there. Painter, tell them how they can also help us out uh, in another way. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast. Sentence. Apple Podcasts probably is where you're listening, but five stars, little one-line note. Uh, and, uh, yeah, tell your friends about the show. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Yep, just give us five stars, write a review. Uh, it helps us out a ton. What also helps us out a ton is if you go to homefieldapparel.com and buy yourself an Auburn Observer t-shirt. Homefield Apparel, the number one place to get vintage collegiate apparel. I've got, I did the the subscription uh, box for the tournament. I haven't opened it yet. 
Um, I had my my. I was so worried here. Um, they left it at my door while I was going in, in Birmingham, and I was so worried that people would want to snatch up the home field. Not accusing any of my neighbors, but just, you know, home field's very very valuable stuff. Um, that uh, that I got my dad to go come pick up the package for me. So I gotta go. I gotta go get it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what my t-shirts are from from the uh, from the mystery box. But any team, almost any college team that you love. Um, there's a very, very good chance that there's going to be some home field apparel stuff. So we're talking the most comfortable t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts you're going to find anywhere, the coolest logos and designs. ton of great Auburn stuff on there. As you well know, Auburn's basketball stuff is like some of their top-selling stuff on the site. That ought to tell you something. Uh, and uh, they're adding stuff constantly, uh, including FDU. Uh, you can get some Fairleigh Dickinson stuff uh, if you just fell in love with the Knights after them beating Purdue. Go get it. Homefieldapparel.com. You get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code OBSERVER when you check out. Also, like I said, you can buy the official Homefield uh, Auburn Observer t-shirt. It's very comfortable. It's navy. A nice Heather navy. It's a little logo, not a big one. We're not we're not too full of our, ourselves. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool design, and uh, we appreciate Connor and the gang for helping us out there. Felt like I was supposed to say one more thing here, but I'm already blanking on it. Painter, do you have anything? Trey Donaldson. Whoo! Yeah, we need to talk about Trey <laughs> before we go. What is going on, man? Again, that's where the thing gets really interesting because you bring it Aiden Holloway next year. You're recruiting some guards. You've got, you know, obviously in the 24 class, you've got P- Pettiford and uh, LeBaron Phylon, who, you know, Phylon's a bigger guy that'll probably play off ball at Auburn, I would think. Uh, but, you know, Chance Westry's also a good uh, playmaker as well. It's like, there's a lot. But, man, Trey Donaldson really helped his cause. Here, shooting the ball, playing without fear, um, you know, and a guy who didn't play a ton at times, uh, you know, in, in SEC play, didn't really have a ton of impact in certain games. Man, came on when he, when you needed him to, to the most, gave you a spark, that big run that they had against Iowa. He and Katie Johnson shooting well in there, had a couple threes to help you get in that early lead against Houston. I'm really interested to see what Trey Donaldson does moving forward and – uh yeah, I think Auburn. I think Auburn's pretty grateful that uh, it didn't work out between uh, between Trey Donaldson and uh, Brian Harson and the Auburn football program because he's. I, I was talking to somebody during the Iowa, or right after the Iowa game. We were talking about Trey, and we were like, "I get it. Like, I understand that he played high school football, and so that affects how guys get rated and reviewed and all that as prospects." But man, he was just a three star in basketball coming out of high school, and it's like. They ain't a three-star talent, I'll tell you that much. And we've seen other guys like Bryce Brown show that they ain't three-star talents um, over the years. Trey's, Trey's in a really good spot to be, be, in that, be in that area. I think that's it. I think that's all I got. We are now in off-season mode. We've got spring football uh, here for the next few weeks, 8A coming up. By the way, that, that $40 deal runs through the end of 8A weekend, so you can sign up at any point. There are links and buttons and all that good stuff. Oh, I wanted to say this before I left. Say this before I go. I, t- I did tweet about it and mentioned it in the at the end of the observations. I know this season for Auburn basketball and Auburn basketball fans wasn't the most fun because they didn't win a championship. They didn't run into the Final Four. Personally, though, I had a ton of fun covering this team. Uh, I went all over the country covering it. Uh, went to 31 of the 34 games uh, in person. Um, you know, only did not go to Mexico and did not go to West Virginia. 
that is not to say anything about Mexico or West Virginia. It was just timing wise. I couldn't make it for those, those games. Uh, but it was a whole lot of fun and I love covering basketball. Um, those of you who have been following us for a while are following, you know, my coverage and our show, like from the pre, from the pre podcast days and the radio show days, you may know and may recall that I did not get to cover basketball like I wanted to at my previous uh, stops, and uh, it really stuck with me. But all that to say, you guys who subscribe and read and listen and tell your friends and share, you know, share our stuff, every one of y'all played a part in this season. Um, it was a fun year of coverage. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed it as much as you could. Uh, and uh, look, again, we're independent and every ounce of what we do comes from you guys um, and your subscriptions. That's, that's what, you know, keeps, keeps the whole ship going uh, and allows us to go all across the country covering Auburn basketball. We'll be going across the country covering Auburn football this year as well. And there'll be more of that in basketball coming up. So I just wanted to say before we went, I know again, like I said, the season did not, was not as successful as a lot of y'all wanted it to be. Uh, but because of your support and because of your, um, I mean, just just generosity, we were we were able to do it, and we hope you got a lot out of it because uh, I certainly did. So thank you. Um, this was a blast, and I can't wait to I can't wait for next basketball season, and I can't wait for next football season uh, because I'll tell you one thing, there aren't very many independent sites and newsletters doing this at the college level. Period. Uh, and there aren't very many independent places, period, that we're able to kind of go to every game and, and cover every game in person. That's, But that's a testament to you guys. It's not us. That's that's all y'all. So thank you so much for that. All right. Like I said, uh, we'll have spring football coverage this week. Uh, Monday, observations from, from practice, uh, and uh, we'll keep that rolling throughout the week. We'll talk to you guys again later in the week. We'll talk a lot of football on the next podcast. Uh, for sure since we went all basketball with this one but that'll do it painter final thoughts much to discuss much to discuss